It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. It's the Media Buzz Meter with Howard Kurtz. Big, 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 huge Twitter news. We will get to that in just a second. I'm going to give it to you uh, in a way that only a podcast can, which is, you know, all the juicy details and nuances. Uh, You don't have to get it, uh, you know, cram it into a 90-second TV report. We'll also talk about the Brittany Griner story, um, the investigation of the Washington Commanders. I still can't get used to that name. And I'm in the process of making about, oh, I don't know, about 47 changes to Media Buzz for Sunday. I hope you will have a chance to watch. I also hope you have a good weekend coming up. Um, this story caught my eye. I just think it's so funny. You know this guy who um, won a uh, congressional seat and is, he was touted? His name is Maxwell Hundro Frost, touted as the first member of Generation Z to be elected to Congress, which means he's a young guy. So he said yesterday that he couldn't get an apartment in D.C. because he has really bad credit. Um, He's from Florida. He tweeted that his landlord or the guy he hoped would be his landlord said his credit was too poor um, when he applied for the apartment. And it was knocked down. He said, look, I ran up a lot of debt running for Congress for a year and a half. Uh, He said he didn't make enough money working for Uber to pay for the cost of living. I just have to sort of interject here. The salary for a member of the House of Representatives, $174,000. I don't care how bad your credit is. If that's going to be how much money you make, you're telling me you can't find even a small one-bedroom or a studio apartment in D.C. uh, as a member of Congress, so you're probably good for it. Uh, I just find that odd. Um, I mean, unless he's got, I don't know, $100,000 in debt. We don't know. You know, there's major headlines this morning about Kirsten Cinema, who announced that she is leaving the Democratic Party. Uh, she sat down for 45 minutes with Politico. She did a TV interview with CNN's Jake Tapper. And I got to say, it's really interesting, given what a thorn she has been in the side of President Biden uh, and other Democrats. This is all about her reelection. But the thing is, it's really not that big a story. I mean, you know, I would interview her if I could. She's an interesting character. But she has made clear that she is going to caucus with the Democrats. Uh, Here she is to Politico. Nothing will change about my values or my behavior. Um, I intend to show up to work, do the same work that I always do. I just intend to show up to work as an independent. Well, you know. There are other independents already in the Senate. There is Angus King, independent from Maine, but he caucuses with the Democrats. On the Republican side, there's Lisa Murkowski, independent from Alaska, uh, but she caucuses with the Republicans. And so once you do that, uh, look, it's obviously sending a signal. She says that um, the Democratic Party was just never a great fit for her which says to me that she's worried about having a Democratic primary when she's up for re-election. I think this is all about her getting re-elected in uh, Arizona. Um, and she goes on to say that, um, you know, 
This is, she doesn't really fit in either party. Uh, so it does have a slight effect because it might change the way the committee assignments are done if you don't have 50 Democrats. Although, I don't know, I mean, Angus King didn't change it. Um, and she might feel more free to buck the Biden administration. But look, the next two years, Biden's not passing much stuff anyway because of the Republican House. And Joe Manchin, maybe it gives him a little more influence. I don't know. Uh, but I said, you know, even if she had done this, you can't lose more than one of them. You could lose Manchin, but not Cinema. You could lose Cinema, but not Manchin. It's still a razor thin margin. But thanks to uh, Raphael Warnock beating Herschel Walker in Georgia, the Dems now have 51 Senate seats. All right. Now, without further ado, let's get to story number one, which is Twitter. Now, remember there was the earlier Twitter files investigation uh, done for Elon Musk uh, by Matt Taibbi. And I said, and I got heat for it, but many conservatives said the same thing. It wasn't a bombshell there. Well, it turns out, as you know if you've been listening, that uh, that's because the, the search was foiled by former FBI lawyer turns sort of secret Twitter hire, Jim Baker. He actually foiled the search. But now in this second round, I guess they fired him and he couldn't foil the search anymore. Uh, Barry Weiss, the former opinion editor at the New York Times, who left because uh, while she is a left-leaning person, she wasn't as woke and felt, you know, it was kind of a hostile environment, wasn't as woke as the New York Times newsroom. She has done a terrific job of laying it out very clearly. And these, this is just an absolute bombshell in my view. The fact is, for years now, conservatives have complained that they have been minimized and so forth on Twitter. Obviously, a company that is uh, left-leaning, shall we say. And now we have the proof. We have the absolute unmitigated proof that anybody on the right who complained about this was accurate. Uh, here's the lead from Barry Weiss. A new Twitter files investigation reveals that teams of Twitter employees build blacklists, prevent disfavored tweets from trending, and actively limit the visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics, all in secret without informing Users. This is the smoking gun, folks. Um, you may not be shocked to hear this. I'm not. But to have the proof of it, I think, goes a long way toward, you know, because they used to say, oh, it's just, you know, people in the MSM would say, hey, you know, it's just uh, anecdotal evidence. We don't really know this is happening. Okay. So here are some examples because it's always in the details. Uh, Professor at Stanford, whose last name I'm going to have trouble pronouncing, Dr. J., um, he argued that COVID lockdowns would harm children. And this wasn't like a crazy theory about vaccines don't work. He just said COVID lockdowns would harm children. I think we can all agree now, looking back at all the time that the schools were closed, that it did harm kids. But whether he was right or wrong, it was an opinion that he wanted to share on Twitter. Twitter secretly placed him on a trends blacklist, which prevented his tweets from trending. Another guy, popular uh, radio talk show host, conservative, also appears on Fox a lot, Dan Bongino. He was slapped with a search blacklist. That means if you search for his name, and his name is not, you know, Joe Jones, it's a pretty unusual last name, you couldn't find him. 
Well, he went off on this on Hannity last night and said, you know, people said I was a conspiracy theorist. People said I was crazy. I was making it up. Uh, and now he's got the proof. He thanked Elon Musk. He said the, um, the media fell down on the job and failing to fully investigate this. But, I mean, there has been a lot of attention paid to this. Uh, but he's got a point. He's, he goes further. He sees collusion between the FBI and big tech and so forth. But he now can say that people had, you know, that his impact was limited. If you couldn't search for him, then you wouldn't see the kind of stuff that he was tweeting. And that is an outrage. It's an absolute freaking outrage. Just as it would be an outrage if Twitter was a, had been a conservative company that was doing this to liberals. Everybody ought to get a say. We're not talking here about hate speech and bullying. Let me go on. Charlie Kirk, conservative activist. I don't agree with most of what Charlie Kirk does in terms of his methods. Twitter said his account to do not amplify. The bureaucratic terms here are really kind of fascinating. Do not amplify. In other words, make it hard for people to find what the guy is saying. Now, Twitter has denied this, which now turns out to be a lie. 2018, according to this reporting by Barry Weiss, uh, the head of legal policy and trust for Twitter, Vijaya Gotti, and the head of product said, we do not shadow ban, but they did, folks. And we certainly don't shadow ban based on political viewpoints or ideology, which turns out to be a load of garbage. And then they had this great term. This is Orwellian in the extreme um, when they talk about, you know, limiting um, the spread of this stuff. So you can't find it on uh, uh, trending topics and you can't search for it and it just doesn't come into your feed. It's called visibility filtering. Visibility filtering. Isn't that it's just I love it. Think about visibility filtering as being a way for us to suppress what people see to different levels. It's a very powerful tool. One senior Twitter employee told Barry Weiss and her team, we control visibility quite a bit because she did reporting on this. It's not just a bunch of documents. And we control the amplification of your content quite a bit. And normal people do not know how much we do. To a, that was second quote is from a Twitter engineer. To additional Twitter employees confirmed this argument. Now, beyond that, there was even there's a group set up to deal with this, but then there's a secret group uh, that included the head of trust and safety, Yoel Roth, who recently resigned, and the C and the guy I mentioned earlier, Vijay Gotti, and subsequent CEOs, Jack Dorsey, and the most recent CEO, Parag Agrawal. And this is for the super sensitive ones, such as libs of TikTok. That was placed on the trends blacklist and designated as do not take action on user without consulting this group, which just has a bunch of acronyms I won't bore you with. Um, the woman who runs libs of TikTok um, was subject to six suspensions just last year, just this year, 2022. And there's internal correspondence saying that, well, you know, we're banning her for hate speech, but, you know, we've looked into it and she hasn't really directly engaged in behavior that violates the hateful conduct policy. 
They just found reasons to do it. Um, Justified her suspension by claiming her post encouraged online harassment of hospitals and medical providers uh, having to do with gender-affirming health care. Okay, you don't have to agree with libs of TikTok, but again, this is all carried out in secret. It's just, you know, every bad thing you thought about might be true at Twitter turned out to be true. And the lies. Okay, so here's something that Yale Roth wrote. The hypothesis underlying much of what we've implemented is that if exposure to, for example, e.g., misinformation directly causes harm, we should use remediations that reduce exposure. And limiting the spread slash virality of content is a good way to do that. And he goes on to say, referring to Jack Dorsey, we got Jack on board with implementing this for civic integrity in the near term. But we're going to have to need to make a robust case or a more robust case to get this into our repertoire of policy remediation. So translated from bureaucratic jargon, we, the left-leaning people of Twitter, decide what misinformation is. And if we think you're engaging in misinformation, not lies, not hate speech, we use remediations. In other words, we reduce your exposure. We make sure, because in our opinion, you suck, (laughs) we make sure that your stuff is seen by the smallest number of people possible. It can't go viral. It can't trend. You can be shadow banned. You can't, they, they can't search for you. I mean, literally blacklisted, all based on exactly what they denied, ideology aimed at conservatives. You know, I, I don't necessarily agree with what all these people who are being talked about here, Bongino and others, have to say. But I will defend their right to say it on Twitter. And Elon Musk, obviously he's also... Um, whipped up a lot of traffic because there's a lot of interest in this, but Elon Musk turns out has done a great public service. A great public service because he's going to clean this up, he says. Now, people on the left who think Elon Musk is a terrible guy um, and, you know, he's going to retaliate the other way. Well, it goes contrary to everything he has said. If suddenly we see a lot of liberal uh, accounts being either suspended or limited in how in their reach, then I'll get behind this microphone and say this is awful it's, that Elon is doing exactly what he accused the other side of doing. But I don't think so. I mean, it, it goes to the heart of his whole free speech crusade. So now we've got the goods, and maybe there's even more to come. But these documents and this reporting by Barry Wise shows you uh, that this was exactly what they denied, exactly what they denied. Based on, you know, what we decide is misinformation, we're going to target a bunch of conservatives and we're going to limit their impact. They weren't crazy, folks. They knew, they could feel it, and now we have the proof. Hey, let's pause right there. The buzz meter continues right after this. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. All right, number two, Brittany Griner, now back in the United States. Today, 
She landed in San Antonio, a military base there where she is going to get a health checkup and uh, a debrief and any, you know, other kinds of assistance that she may need. Her wife, Sherelle, and other family members are visiting her there. Um, And this is great. Welcome back, BG, Brittany Griner. Now, let me get to the debate over this. When it was breaking news yesterday, I talked about how it took about five seconds. And I talked about this. uh, I will be talking about this on uh, Media Buzz on Sunday as well. Uh, How there is a, a great, I guess you would say, ideological debate about whether or not the prisoner swap was worth it. Okay? And there's no question. There is simply no question. It's a lopsided swap. So we get back Brittany Griner, WNBA star, who made the mistake of going to Russia with less than an ounce of cannabis oil that had been prescribed for her. She got a nine-year prison sentence and had just been sent out to this penal colony. But Vladimir Putin gets back. Victor Boot, who his nickname is the Merchant of Death, He's a notorious arms dealer who has also, you know, fomented or instigated violence in a number of countries around the world. So if you want to criticize the prisoner swap on those grounds, that's legitimate. But it goes beyond that, and I'll come back to that. Also legitimate, and this was talked about when President Biden made the announcement yesterday, and, you know, John Kirby Uh, White House NSC coordinator has been out there talking about this all day long. Paul Whelan, a former military guy falsely accused by Moscow of being a spy, has been in Russian custody since 2018. And is it unfair that we couldn't get him back? Well, of course it is. But here's the situation. Here in America, leaving this debate aside for a second, we should be celebrating the fact that a woman, whether you like her or not, who had been unjustly detained in Russian prisons for nearly 10 months is back in America with her family. We care about people. Vladimir Putin's view of people obviously is is captured by the fact that He bombs hospitals, apartment buildings, and all kinds of other places where he knows full well innocent Ukrainian men, women, and children are going to die. So either you believe in let's get an American back or, you know, you say it's not worth it. We shouldn't give up this horrible terrorist in exchange for Brittany Grinder. But then you have to ask yourself the question. Given what she did that you don't like, the fact that does she deserve to spend years rotting in this penal camp under awful conditions? Can we take a couple of days to celebrate her return? Well, um, the thing is, and here's Donald Trump. What kind of a deal is it to swap Brittany Griner, a basketball player who openly hates our country? I'll come back to that. For the man known as the merchant of death, 
Um, why wasn't former Marine Paul Whalen included in this totally one-sided transaction? What a stupid and unpatriotic embarrassment for the USA. Okay, so Donald Trump was president of the United States when Paul Whalen was, was taken by the Russians in 2018. Did he get him back in 2018? Did he get Paul Whalen back in 2019? Did he get Paul Whalen back in 2020? I'm not saying that the Trump administration didn't try, but he wasn't able to do it. And neither has President Biden, although, and Whalen's own family, his brother, saying, of course, we're bitterly disappointed in this, but we're, we applaud the fact that Brittany Griner was able to come home. There was no choice on the table. It was one or none. You can get Brittany Griner back or you can get no one back because Moscow unfairly treats Whalen as a spy. And we don't have any Russian spies in custody, custody to trade for him. Now, why are people attacking Brittany Griner? Because in 2020, she said the national anthem had no place in the WNBA or in sports. She said, quote, I'm not going to be out there for the national anthem. If the league continues to want to play it, that's fine. It will be all season long. I'll not be out there. I feel more like more are going to probably do the same thing. I can only speak for myself. She added, I don't mean that in any disrespect to our country. So maybe you think that's awful, that, you know, she joined the protests, people who kneeled, NFL, NBA, WNBA. But does that mean she hates America? Does that mean she's deserved? She's deserving of spending years in Russian prison? I just don't get it. You want to criticize her? Fine. But she's an American. And now some are saying, you know, uh, well, you know, Biden chose to bring home a black lesbian, but not the Marine. You think if you really think if President Biden had any shot whatsoever at getting Paul Whelan home, he brought it up right away when he addressed the country from the Oval Office where he was, you know, embraced by uh, Brittany Griner's wife, that he wouldn't do it. It's just, you know, it's the triumph of partisanship. If Biden did it, it must be bad. Now, again, this came up with Obama and Bo Bergdahl. I get I get the there's a legitimate debate about how far do we go in giving up somebody who is a criminal, who's a terrorist. But, you know, Donald Trump. As president, when he was dealing with Afghanistan, um, was willing to give up a lot of Taliban people to get us out of Afghanistan. I'm just saying these are difficult decisions and they involve nuances. All right. Number three, speaking of the former president. Prosecutors urge a federal judge to hold Donald Trump's office in contempt of court for failing to fully comply with a May subpoena to return all classified documents in his possession, according to people familiar with the matter, quoted by the Washington Post. So in the last few days, this all has to do with the classified documents. In the last few days, Justice Department lawyers have asked a U.S. District Court judge to hold Trump's office in contempt. Um, but the judge, I think the hearing is today. This came after months of mounting frustration at DOJ, which believes that it may not have gotten all the uh, documents back still because that was, you know, there was the Trump team had to hire an outside group to search his other properties, including, you know, the uh, golf club in New Jersey, and found two more classified documents at this storage unit that's not at Mar-a-Lago, it's nearby at West Palm Beach. Two more documents found along with a bunch of clothing and swords and just, you know, a whole 
variety of stuff. Okay, Trump's spokesman said the former president's lawyers continue to be cooperative and transparent. This is a political witch hunt, unlike anything this country has ever seen, says the Trump spokesman. Um, The Trump legal team has refused to designate a custodian of records to sign a document attesting that all classified materials have been returned to the federal government. And no one wants to do that because given the way this has unfolded, it's clear that they may not know. They just may not even know, given the sort of haphazard nature of the way that this was stored. Okay, number four. The House yesterday, you'll be hearing more about this, gave final approval to legislation to mandate as a congressional law, federal recognition for same-sex marriages. That means it goes to President Biden since the Senate, with 12 Republican votes heading off a possible filibuster, uh, has approved it as well. The vote in the House, 258 to 169. 39 Republicans joining, I guess, the overwhelming number of Democrats in approving this legislation. When Biden signs it, you can make sure that he will do make a very big deal out of it. Um, Nancy Pelosi said, Today we stand up for the values the vast majority of Americans hold dear, a belief in the dignity, beauty, and divinity in every person, and abiding respect for love so powerful that it binds two people together. And Biden put out a statement as well. Now, this doesn't really change anything because the Supreme Court in 2015 the John Roberts court, uh, legalized same-sex marriage. So all this does is protect uh, against a future Supreme Court, and Clarence Thomas is the one who raised this, deciding to somehow overturn this as it overturned Roe v. Wade. Otherwise, nothing changes. It's just sort of an insurance policy that doesn't now depend on the whims of the court or the 6-3 conservative majority. Now, you can ask yourself, really, only 39 Republicans felt comfortable signing on to this? You know, I know there's still a debate about religious liberty, but there was a compromise amendment that was adopted to protect those who just don't believe in same-sex marriage. Now, one member of Congress, Vicki Hartzler from Missouri, she was on the brink of tears as she gave a speech talking about how terrible this was. This is a dangerous and misguided bill. This bill only serves to further demonize biblical values. This is yet another step toward the Democrats' goal of dismantling the traditional family, silencing voices of faith, and permanently undoing our country's God-woven foundation. Okay, she's entitled to say what she thinks. Uh, But it was a bipartisan vote. Not as broad as some people would like, but 12 Republicans in the Senate, 39 Republicans in the House. And as I say, this doesn't change anything. It just means it's, it's, it's insulation against a future Supreme Court saying, you know what, we've looked at this and we're going to toss this out too. Um, and look, the decision to, to get rid of Roe clearly had an impact on the midterm elections. There's no question about that. And Biden and other Democrats who played this up and other people said, oh, you know what? 
that's over, you know. It's kind of faded from the news, and uh, it's really about inflation. It's really about the border and so forth. Well, it was about a lot. The election was about a lot of things. But the reason that Kevin McCarthy, the likely speaker, who I briefly had a chance to talk to yesterday when he was at Fox and went on the air and said he's very confident he will have the votes, uh, there's a reason that he has a very small margin not 30 or 40 seats in the House. And there's a reason there are 51 Democratic senators, and that is abortion rights was a bigger story and election denialism was a bigger story than we expected. Hey, let's pause right there. The buzz meter continues right after this. All right, let me close here with a sports story, but it's so much broader than that, having to do with the Washington football team, the Washington Commanders and its owner, Dan Snyder. So there has been a congressional investigation of the way that Dan Snyder has run that team. And, you know, here in D.C., the Red, I shouldn't say the Redskins, not allowed to say that anymore, but the team formerly known as the Redskins um, is beloved. Dan Snyder, not so much. So 14, a 14-month investigation by the House Committee on Oversight and Reform has put out its final report. It said that Um, the team, the football team, or someone working on its behalf, leaked inflammatory emails that prompted Congress to get involved last year. According to this report, the former team president, Bruce Allen, testified to the committee that a top NFL official told him the team's side leaked the emails that led to John Gruden's resignation from his job as coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. So there'd been a lot of chatter about, well, was Dan Snyder either getting other NFL owners fired or threatening to get them fired because he had dug up or his people had dug up, quote, dirt on them? And that was always denied. But you have testimony, congressional testimony, from the former president of the Washington football team saying, yeah, we did leak stuff, our side leaked stuff, and therefore the Raiders coach had to resign. This guy, Allen, also testified to the committee that Snyder spoke about using private investigators to gather information on Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner. Now, you've heard some of this before, but now here's a, here's a congressional report that he really was trying to, or allegedly, that... Dan Snyder allegedly was at least talked about using private eyes to blackmail or intimidate the commissioner of the damn league. Also, the report said that Snyder obstructed the investigation and didn't live up to his own lawyer's pledge that he would provide full and complete testimony and that the NF of L, the National Football League, failed to address Snyder's interferences in the in-house investigation that he ordered using an outside lawyer. I guess you call it an outside investigation, but it's one that he ultimately controlled. And so this is not great, right? This has to do with a toxic work environment. This has to do with the, um, the way the cheerleaders on the team were treated. Snyder's testimony was evasive or misleading often According to this report, he said he was unaware of who his investigators approached and did not remember 
having conversations with his counsel about the individuals targeted. Um, Now, the football team put out a statement saying this is BS. These congressional investigators demonstrated they were not interested in the truth. They were only interested in chasing headlines by pursuing one side of the story. Today's report is the predictable culmination of that one-sided approach. There are no new revelations here, so forth and so on. Now, the Republicans on the committee who say this investigation is done when we take over in early January, they criticized the investigation in a memo to committee members. GOP staffers wrote that the Democrats have chosen to weaponize the power of Congress against a single private workplace. And they said the goal has always been to force Snyder to give up the team, potentially to Jeff Bezos, the Amazon founder, the owner of the Washington Post, who's now one of those who may bid, either on his own behalf or with others, to buy the team. The Democrats' sham investigation into the Washington commanders has been an egregious waste of taxpayer-funded resources, say the Republican uh, staffers. They say it's been a charade to distract people from President Biden's self-inflicted crises. I don't know. I mean, why are the Republicans defending Dan Snyder? What did the Democratic majority do that makes them say this? Did they like Dan Snyder? Did they all have, you know— the ability to go sit in the box seats, uh, which Snyder has done for a long time. And he does it with journalists, too. I've gone once or twice. This is years ago. Um, you know, you get an invitation. I've seen Democratic members of Congress there. I've seen Republican members of Congress there. I don't know. It seems to me that it's too bad that this couldn't be a bipartisan report. I don't quite understand the politics of it. But... I do think the report itself is not good news for Dan Snyder and his attempt to hold on to the Washington football team. So once again, hope you have a great weekend coming up. Hope you'll have a chance to catch Media Buzz 11 a.m. Eastern, as you probably know, Sunday morning. I got to sign off now so I can get back to work on the show with all the changes that I need to do. Uh, Martha McCallum will be one of my guests. And we've got a great lineup. It's going to be a really good show. How do I get it all in, though? I got commercials to deal with. Here, I can just talk. Thank you for listening. I always appreciate your time. And as I mentioned the other day, you know, we're moving toward 4 million downloads this year for this podcast. From the bottom of my heart, I appreciate that you find it worthy of your time. And I'll be back here on Monday. See you then with more BuzzMeter. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts and via Apple Podcasts, and Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity Podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.